Hello, my name is DC Casey, and I'm a minister with Windows of Heaven. I'm also CEO of Casey Co., which is a company that works in the real estate investing and construction fields. Today, I would like to talk to you about how do you operate. So how do you operate? I'd like to read first from 2 Timothy 1.7, and it says, For God gave us a spirit, a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. So I would like to propose that operating in power, love, and self-control will transform all of our businesses. I got to tell you, I'm a word guy. I love words. I love reading books. I love songs that have uh, words with deep meaning. And so today I'd like to pull apart uh, the words fear, power, love, and self-control. Let's start with fear. The dictionary.com definition of fear is a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, pain, etc., whether the threat is real or imagined. And to be honest, we have all experienced fear. But 2 Timothy 1.7 tells us that God does not give us a spirit of fear. Therefore, fear has no legitimacy in our lives. Fear is a lie. A mentor friend of mine, a former prison warden, he once told me that the way federal agents identify counterfeit $100 bills is by studying the real one. They don't waste time studying counterfeits. There's just too many of them. They focus on what is real. And so today I would like to focus more on power, love, and self-control than fear. But let's touch on fear briefly. Have you ever heard the song, Fear is a Liar by Zach Williams? If you haven't, I definitely recommend that you do. He produced a music video and he did it in a prison with real prisoners. I thought of this video because I used to talk about spiritual warfare with uh, my warden buddy. And he told me that inmates that experience fear, uh, they, they would be the ones that are preyed upon. The stronger, if, you, if you'd say, inmates would take advantage of those who experienced fear, who displayed fear. Even the officers that would go into prison afraid, they just wouldn't last long. There are also officers that understand the power they possess and they exploit it, but they always end up advancing in their career, or excuse me, but even if they do advance in their career, they always end up bitter and cold. However, officers like my warden buddy, the ones that truly understand their power, but also self-control and care towards their fellow officers as well as inmates, those are the ones that thrive and really make a difference in the workplace. Now, let's discuss power. Power is defined as the ability to do or act, capability of doing or accomplishing something. When I read this uh, definition from dictionary.com, I don't know about you, but it's, it's very anticlimactic. The first time I read this, I just felt let down. I want to know about the power Paul is talking about, the dynamaios. So let's look at the beginning. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God has given us power as well to create, and he's given us dominion over his creation. 
I really like Job's description of God's power in Job 26. God's power often seems more polarizing at our extremes, whether we're on top of the mountains or we're in valleys climbing out as Job was. So Job 26, starting at verse 5. The dead tremble under the waters and their inhabitants. Sheol is naked before God, and Abaddon has no covering. He stretches out the north over the void and hangs the earth on nothing. He binds up the waters in his thick clouds, and the cloud is not split open underneath him. He covers the face of the full moon and spreads it over, over it, his cloud. He has inscribed a circle on the face of the waters at the boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of heaven tremble and there are astounded at his rebuke. By his power, he stilled the sea. By his understanding, he shattered Rahab, also known as a sea monster. What is that? By his wind, the heavens were made fair. His hand pierced the fleeing serpent. Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways. How small a whisper do we hear him? <laughs> but the thunder of his power, who can understand? I know I can't even get a glimpse of understanding just the glimpse of God's power that Job described. The same power discussing overshadowed Mary in Luke 135, so the baby would be born holy, a virgin, our Savior, Jesus Christ. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the, the dead dwells in us, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to our mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. Romans 8, 11, 17. This power that rose Jesus from the dead not only lives within us, it has allowed us to become heirs with Christ to a kingdom that cannot be quantified, an everlasting kingdom. So how do we get this power? We first have to understand that if we accepted Christ as our savior, the power is already inside of us. Then we must completely surrender to the spirit of God. That's the great thing is that there's nothing for us to do. God does it all for us. We have to surrender. So what do we do with this power? How do we use it in the marketplace? We use it to squash any fear that would impede us to create for Christ or advance God's kingdom. We use it to withstand temptation, to fight against attacks from Satan and demons. We protect the weak. 
And most importantly, we use his power to serve others. There is no greater way to impact our employees, clients, or communities than to serve them with the love of Christ. We are the light of the world. John 1, 4-5 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I would like to share a story from an investor friend of mine, uh, Paul Moore. <laughs> and I told him I would use this story several times. And, and he brought this story to my attention. Uh, there was a town in Amalanga, Guatemala. The place was horrible. There were four prisons. They were overflowing to where they had to ship prisoners to other towns. There was an astounding amount of alcohol and drug abuse as well as spousal abuse. It was quite simply a, a horrible place. One farmer almost got murdered and he had enough. He put a stake in the ground and he claimed that land, Amalongo, for God. He began to pray and, desperate, and desperately cry out to God. He gathered other farmers, other people in the city to join him. These people eventually re repented of their sins. They believed that God would redeem their land, and he did. God answered and showed up in a powerful way. Now, they have three harvests from their land, which is impossible. All things are possible with God, right? They have carrots as big as a man's forearm, and there's pictures of these. They used to do four trips a month into town to sell their produce. Now they do 40 trips per week. That's a 4,300% increase. Alcoholism is now virtually gone. Marriages are healed and all four jails have closed. The fourth one, they turned into a museum. God's power healed their land. And I believe that God has the power to heal my land. I believe that God has the power to heal your land. Now let's talk about love. Uh, this time we're going to skip the dictionary uh, definition on this one. Go straight to the word. The dictionary just doesn't do justice to the word love. And we're going to talk about that agape love here, the unconditional sacrificial love. So let's start in John 15, 13. Jesus tells us that there is no greater love than to lay one's, one's life down for a friend. No greater love. In verse 12, we are commanded to love one another as he has loved us. A great thing about Jesus is that everything he spoke about, everything he told us to do, he demonstrated it with his own life. We all know John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God proved his love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. This is unfathomable, sacrificial love. Just imagine giving your child to be beaten, <laughs> to experience a gruesome death while you just watched, watching every second of agony until his last breath, a sacrifice for those who rejected him, just so one day they might be saved. Have you thought about it? I have, and I couldn't do it. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. If I was God, there would be a Sodom and Gomorrah part two. There would be rain 
of fire falling down on Rome that day. There'd be people turning to pillars of salt. But thank God I'm not God, right? <laughs> and I thank him that he loved me enough that centuries, millennia before I was born, he sent Christ to die for me. First John 3, 16, by this we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Now, in the early church, many died, and, and many are still dying today and being persecuted. But where we are, where you are, in your place, how can we display this sacrificial love? Let me give an example. Kevin set out to build a family home. He bought land and completed the foundation. Then life circumstances happened and he ran out of money. Time passed and the foundation sat. He drove by the property frequently after he got off of work, not sure when he could ever finish this building. So one day he stopped by and there was a stack of lumber sitting by his foundation. He frantically called the lumber company because he didn't have the money to pay for it. You know, he didn't order it. And they reassured him that it was paid for, but they didn't know who made the payment. The next day, Kevin stopped by the property and the first floor was framed, but nobody was there. So you can imagine at this point, he's bewildered. What's going on here? And there was no one there to ask. Kevin returned the next day. This time there were men working. And on the second story, they were framed the second story. Uh, Kevin recognized the man and he yelled, uh, Pastor Forte, is that you? <laughs> what are you doing? Pastor Forte yelled back, it's me. I noticed your foundation sitting for a long time and figured you didn't have the money to finish it. Hey, we're, we just finished the projects. We're in between projects. So I figured I'd get this built for you before we start our next one. Just like he said, Pastor Forte finished building the house for Kevin and he, he did not even allow Kevin to pay him back. So this story means a lot to me because Pastor Forte was my grandfather. And I heard this story seven years after he passed away. This story occurred even before I was born, and I never met Kevin before hearing this story. And I tell you this because I remember distinctively my grandfather telling me to seek God first and to love others. And it's amazing to me that he lived it. That example was being lived as he was telling me. <laughs> so Kevin didn't go to the church my grandfather was a pastor of. He just happened to building a house near some rentals that my grandfather owned. The story occurred decades ago, but Kevin still tells this story because it is what brought him to Christ. Sacrificial love. How can we love so that others might be saved? This love, this love in this story, is the love that God first showed us. And this love will transform our walk through life. It will transform our businesses, our employees, clients, and our communities. Now let's talk about self-control. Reading from Titus 1, 7 through 8 says, For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant 
or quick-tempered, or drunkard, or violent, or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy doctrine, excuse me, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will always provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Proverbs 25, 28 says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. So why do we need self-control? This might be obvious to you, but we ultimately need it to help us withstand temptation. We need to withstand abusing our position, the power that God has given us, to belittling employees, to lying to clients, to cooking the books, or having a work or having a workplace affair, et cetera. I uh, have an uncle, and my uncle, he owns an investigation company, and he's ex-military as well. So the information I'm going to share with you is edited because he's definitely direct to the point, and he doesn't always speak with the cleanest of mouths. So he told me not to blur the lines when dealing with the opposite sex. Be very clear where I stand and mention my wife as often as appropriate. He told me, keep your integrity, even if it means you have to lose a contract. Do not compromise, even if it's the only job you have. <laughs> Self-control. And we've all heard the stories. Uh, we've all known men and women. Um, heard the stories of Bernie Madoff's, the Jeffrey Epstein's, Bill Clinton's, Bill Cosby's, and the several fallen pastors that have displayed a gross lack of self-control. They have the power, but no self-control. And as we've seen, especially those in the public eye, it leaves a mess. Power without love and self-control is dangerous. It's destructive and it's self-serving. So I pieced together a couple of commentaries uh, as I was studying for this. Uh, I pieced a couple together and I would like to, to share it with you. The Holy Spirit works in whom it has given power to fight the fight of God, power not only patiently to endure, but power to strike blows for Christ. The power, for instance, of steadfastness in resisting temptation, the strong in guiding other weaker ones along the narrow way of love. The power is always in conjunction with love. The blessed gift, that strange, sweet love for others which leads to noble deeds of self-surrender. The love will never shrink from a sacrifice which may benefit a friend or a neighbor. And lastly, the spirit works in us self-control. In the man or woman living in and mixing with the world and exposed to various temptations and pleasures is able to regulate and keep in a wise subjection passions 
desires and impulses. Now, continuing in 2 Timothy 1, we're going to read verse 13 and 14. And Paul continues saying, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. (laughs) When I read this verse, I envisioned Fort Knox. Fort Knox, located in the state of Kentucky. It has been called the most secure vault on this planet. It's built to guard a large portion of our, our national gold reserves. The United States Treasury Department built the depository in 1936 to move reserves away from coastal cities to less vulnerable areas of attack, hence Kentucky. Needless to say, this uh, facility is very secure. There is razor wire and rumored landmines between its perimeter fencing and concrete structure. The grounds are monitored by high-resolution night vision videos and microphones. The subterranean vault is made of steel plates, I-beams, and cylinders that are encased with concrete. Its torch-resistant, drill-resistant door is 21 inches thick and weighs 20 tons. The vault door is set on a 100-hour time lock that can only be opened with multiple separate combinations by different staff members. Visitors are not allowed. And did I mention the U.S. Army station there? So all of this, all of the security at Fort Knox, and it's to guard gold. Now, it's a lot of gold. It's worth billions of dollars, but it does not compare. You know, all the gold on earth does not compare to what God has entrusted us. As Paul says, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 14. If we submit to God, the Holy Spirit will help us guard it better than any Fort Knox. And this is why I declare that operating in the spirit of power, love, and self-control will not only transform our businesses, it will transform our sphere of influence, and it will transform every step we take through this life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today. I thank you for everyone's ears who hear this, Lord. I thank you for bringing this word to me to understand it, first teaching myself what it truly means to operate in the power, in the spirit of power, love, and self-control. Lord, I pray that you will bless all of us who claim to be your children, dear Lord. Bless us to understand that fear is a lie. (laughs) Just like that Zach Williams song, Lord. It has no place, no legitimacy, Lord. So I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that we don't give it any. I pray that we will rebuke it and that we operate in what is already inside us. Open our minds, dear Lord, our hearts, our souls to understand the power that you have given us and let us operate like it in a daily manner. Let us influence those who are around us, Lord. Let us stand steadfastly on your word, Let us encourage other believers, dear Lord, and let us reconcile those who are lost, dear Lord, because just like you died for me so I can be saved, 
You also died for them. And I pray, dear Lord, our lives will show that. That the power you've given us, Lord, that we will walk forward with love and with self-control so that we will not be compromised. Satan knows what comes with power. And I pray to the Lord that everything that is in us, we will give it to you, which already belongs to you. And I pray that you will move us forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.